You're listening to Thursday Mornings with Alex and Don. GMAD. Don is a pastor with 40 years experience. And Alex is just as curious as you are. We look at the most important and interesting questions about the Bible and Christian faith. So let's talk about it. Welcome everyone to a special edition today of TMAD. Uh, this is a little bit late, but we wanted to do something for Memorial Day. So you know me, love him, Don Patterson. How you doing, Don? I'm doing good. How about you? Good. And this is Larry Cuddyback. He's been a longtime church family. Um, mushroom finder, not hunter, finder, Christmas tree grower, and um, and an author. And woodcutter. And woodcutter. Oh yes. oh, yes. Yes. For all the bad Christmas trees. Well, no, not quite. <laughs> Different woods. Um, so we wanted to bring you in because you had written two, or co-written, two awesome books. Actually, we edited them. Edited okay. them. The vets wrote their own stories, basically. Yeah. We just edited them. So how, why did you guys start these books, these stories? Well, my daughter, Cheyenne, went to UNI and was a history major with a military history emphasis. And when she graduated, I asked her what she was going to do with that degree. <laughs> and she said, well, Dad, <laughs> I want to get oral history from World War II vets and I want you to help. And it took us six years to get started, unfortunately. But um, we did it with the goal of honoring these vets and preserving their stories for future generations. Yeah. What do you want those future generations to get from these stories? A sense of the sacrifice it took to keep this country free. Yeah. I know we've talked a lot um, on many podcasts because we do stuff with Hillcrest, and there's always questions about war in there, so we've covered that, I mean, extensively. Um, and so that one's always been a difficult thing, but I've always been kind of drawn to the the sacrifice that those people made, you know, being called to service by their government, you know, and, and is it uh, Romans says to submit yourself to the government? Romans 13. 13, yeah. Yep. And yeah, from these stories, it just, man, if you haven't read some of these things, I, you're not really selling the books anymore? No? Okay. But um, there's plenty of them out there. Maybe we do like a show and start reading some of those because some of those are kind of tough. They are. We could at least show the front so people know what oh, yeah. it looks like. Well, I didn't bring one in. Yeah, I didn't bring it in either. <laughs> but uh, one of the things that's interesting is uh, that generation is nearly gone. And so if we don't get these stories down in print yeah. and or recorded at least, they'll be gone to a generation. And what happens with history is if unless we capture it and can communicate it well to the next generation, we will make the same mistakes the generations before have yeah. made, and we won't have learned anything. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the reason people recorded history from the very beginning, is so that maybe, by chance, we wouldn't repeat the same problems. As long as there's sin nature, we probably will, but surely we can get better. Yeah. I think that's the sad part of World War II. Yeah. We should have been smart enough by then. Should have. Wouldn't, 
but it didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Some things are out of our hands. Um, do you have any stories that really stick out as some of the best? And I know that's a, <laughs> I know that's a hard question because I've read these stories and. Well, what was your, what sticks out, what sticked out to you? I like my grandpa's, my grandpa, uh, Bill, that one, because I'd been hearing, you know, little bits and pieces from what he said for years. And uh, I liked that one a lot just because I, then it all came together. You know, it wasn't all just, you know, just little bits and stories here, but it was a full account of what happened and how lucky he got to get like that initial deferment. So he could be, um, so he could finish up his engineering degree, and then he went. They went somewhere, and they all did some like basic machinist training, and then they didn't know what to do with them, and ended up being on a ship and sailing off to they don't know where. And I remember something about he was in one room because he's pretty much just writing down what's on the gauges every for four hours at a time, and then. There'd be alarms, you know, like drills all the time. You know, this is, you know, oh, we got hit. Everyone take your, go to your spots. And he said, and I ignored those because I'm getting my work done. And then, so then he went back down to the other room to get some more readings. And that room was gone. And he's like, oh, that alarm is, he's like, and I was the last one off that ship. And the people I had just been talking to were now gone because that's where oh, the no. torpedo hit. And spent days in a foxhole and yeah so that one obviously spoke to me a lot but as far as it goes that one's pretty very easily very palatable and not gut-wrenching like some of the stories where people had to really endure some terrible things seeing friends disappear and but so is there one that sticks out to you that I know, I know, but because originally it was from like Southeast Iowa is where you're trying to. Yeah, we, we started, we were just going to do we, uh, the website was Heroes of Washington County. Okay. And we would talk to one vet and they would, uh, well, a lot of the vets gave us names of other vets. You got to go talk to my buddy. Yeah. And we started blurring the county line pretty quick. And I think we ended up between the two books in seven different counties. Wow. As far north as Cedar Rapids and far south as, well, Keokuk. Mm-hmm. We're not, well, not Keokuk County, but Keokuk, Iowa. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, it was, I tell people other than family, that's the most important thing I'll ever do right. in life. And uh, it was humbling. Mm -hmm. And. You know, you, you grew up around these guys. And you had no idea what they did. Right. It's pretty remarkable. And they didn't brag about it or talk right. about it. In fact, sometimes they probably didn't want to talk about it. Yeah. We had um, Earl Davison was a farmer in the Wellman area. And, uh, well, we interviewed um, Lauren Hubert's dad. Mm -hmm. And they were neighboring farmers. And... Uh, Verl had never talked about it to anybody, including his family. And I think uh, Lauren's dad must have made a phone call to him. And Cheyenne and I were debating on who was brave enough to call him. He lived up in Iowa City then. Yeah. Verl did. And I said he'd be more likely to 
give permission to you than me. So she called him, and I was right there with her. And mm-hmm. he said, yeah. Yeah. So we went up there, and his wife was sitting off in the corner of the room. She was crying the whole time. And he was in the Big Red One, First, first Infantry uh, Division, went in on Omaha Beach. Oh, my goodness. And uh, he brought out this helmet that had a bullet hole through it that he got there. And mm-hmm. the bullet hit the helmet and ricocheted and just grazed him. Oh, man. Well, it was his helmet. It was his helmet. Oh, my. And afterwards, uh, very poignant story, afterwards, I went up to her and she said, he has never even told his three sons any of this. Oh, my. And how do you put a value on that? Yet they came back and didn't talk about it because they wanted to save us the grief well, of having to hear of what they went through. The deal was that we, there was a vet in Washington that uh, we talked to several times, and he was at a Herdman Forest. And we lost like four divisions trying to take that. Yeah, they they uh, the Germans had it mined and it was all conifer timber, and they they would measure their advancement in feet every day. My goodness, I mean it just and he uh, he he, w- he was nice about it, but he said I've spent the last forty years trying to forget it. He right. said I just can't talk about it, and I said well that's a story in itself, but right. we didn't put it in the book because he didn't want to right but um yeah trying to forget that because get on with normal uh, life and <clears throat> one of the best stories in our first book we lucky few we lucky few yep is bill trotter yep and we'd heard stories about him but we only used what he told us and we went back three more times to talk to him to get more stuff. And I think the last time he told us about the second time he won a silver star. He'd won two of them. Man. Bronze star. I think he had five purple hearts. Was in a knife fight with a German. Oh, my. And I finally asked him, Did, uh, I've heard that you made the told people that your biggest worry about coming home was if the people knew how many Germans I'd killed, they wouldn't let me in church. Oh. And I know the number. He never mm-hmm. told it to us, so it's not in the book, but the right. number, number was 63. He kept track. Wow. But that meant it made an impression on him. Oh, my. Yeah. And he kept saying the whole time, I take no pride in this. He kept repeating that, and very humble guy, very quiet. And uh, there could be a movie made out of him. It would be comfortable with Saving Private Ryan, but true. Mm-hmm. Right, right. We're working on it. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot of stories in there that could fill a whole it could couple hours. It be a hours. TV series. Yeah. Not for us, but for... For them. For them. For those stories. Yeah, and you say... You say he was thought that he wouldn't be allowed to be in church if they knew. Mm-hmm. Well, we have a lot of Germans, German people, and German-speaking culture right here. Sure. Yep. Is it well? Was it because of that that he thought he wouldn't be allowed in church, or was it because of 
I mean, the number what of he people. had to do. Yeah. Well, I don't know. He didn't elaborate on his his response when I asked him that. He says, "Well, I might have said that." <laughs> oh, okay. I see. All right. What do what do uh, what do these accounts kind of mean to you as a Christian? Like, do you look at it that way and see how God's working with within the midst of all these men and all these stories? There's a lot of reference to people's Christianity in yeah. these stories. Oh, uh, yeah. I think it's in our second book. There was one guy that went in on D-Day, and uh, he was driving a truck, and they made it to this chateau, and there was a German 88 set up on a ridge or a hill. It would have been a hill in Normandy, and shot an 88 round that lit right by their front tire. And it didn't explode. Oh, wow. And he, uh, an ordnance guy, came and looked at it and said, there's no reason why that didn't go off. And he got to thinking about that, and he thought, the time that happened, Iowa time, would have been exactly when his parents were doing their after-breakfast devotions, praying for him. Wow. Amen. Yeah. Amen. I mean, we really don't have the kind of scenarios that they went through that are life and death. And that was moment by moment, hour by hour, and day after day. You talk about testing your faith. Yep. I think a foxhole probably uh, tested as much as anything. Well, my dad grew up in this church. I don't know how regular they attended. But he got his religion in a foxhole in the Battle of the Bulge. Coldest winter in European history. Had bad toes the rest of his life. Got their, got, they all got their feet frozen. Mm. But he kept... He knew the one, on the, lot, the one line of God will take care of me and kept mouthing and singing that at night. He was part of the headquarters company which he was lucky in that they had a unheated basement to stay in, but they would send those guys out to replace, bring the other guys in to warm up. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said they'd line those foxholes with evergreen boughs and anything to keep just anything. insulation. Yeah. They just, they, they didn't have winter gear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were completely surrounded by Germans. Mm-hmm. And he was, he was 82nd airborne paratrooper and they, those guys were trained to fight behind lines. I mean, that's what paratroopers right. did. But he he lost a lot of friends. Yeah. Got left for dead once. Oh, my. Is that in the book? Yeah. Okay. They, oh, yeah. I just got, got a book this morning, so I'm sort of excited about it. seeing what's in there. <clears throat> You've got to read it. It's... <clears throat> but, it, you know, talking about those life threatening situations we don't get in those very often i was just yeah i was just gonna bring it changes up, yeah. faith when you're in those situations we go back to the new testament they were in those situations as christians because of their faith in these situations they came to christ because of the situation yep you know none of us know the number of days we have left and and that's 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 something we're told because we're meant to be very 
responsible with our actions, with responsible with the time that we're given. And when you're in those situations, boy, it's almost, I'm not going to say it's a blessing, but it's close, but Hey, yeah, you know, your days are very numbered. you you have a very high likelihood of not coming out of here. And I imagine there's plenty of people that yeah. came to God in those times. And you're reminded of it often when you all of a sudden you lose your buddy. Yeah. Uh, that you were no just talking to. There's no atheist in a foxhole. Yeah. There's some truth yeah. to that. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I remember as a kid sitting in the pew when we had communion, and my dad would be in deep, somber thought. And I always wondered what was going through his mind. Mm-hmm. You know. Right. What What was coming back into his thoughts? Was it? Of those times, you think? You know, wanting, you know. Maybe wanting forgiveness for something. I, yeah. don't, I don't know. He, I don't know. Well, yeah. these, these were Iowa boys doing things that they never would have done on the farm. Yeah. But using the techniques that they had learned to get by in a mm-hmm. much different atmosphere. Yeah. Scrappers. I don't think we could fight World War II today. No. It'd be hard to find that many people, but these guys grew up during the Depression. They were already hardened up. Right. Yeah. You know, and they didn't expect much out of life like we do with all our creature comforts. Oh, I yeah. Mean, the more more we get, the more we can't live without. Oh, yeah. I would never drive around in a tractor that doesn't have a cab and air conditioning on it. <laughs> oh, mercy. So, oh, yeah. That's not something we do anymore. That's not safe. I could get sweaty. And the rations at that time were very, very crude. Those guys were living on just vapor for the most part just enough to get by you look at the photos and they went into the war thin Mm -hmm. you know there wasn't any fat guys no no but you're right they came out of the depression hard ready to go yeah and uh enough had been taken from them already they weren't going to give up anymore yeah um did i already ask what you wanted people to so i mean you've got you have six grandkids? Yeah. Do you ever talk to them about this? Or are they not quite ready yet? Cheyenne has done a good job with her girls. I, I would imagine. And uh, uh, Karis especially is interested. Mm-hmm. And when Cheyenne tells this story, Cheyenne's a public speaker. Yeah. <laughs> and they'd be watching Band of Brothers, and Karis would be like three years old, and they'd be watching the parachutes come down she said which one's grandpa oh boy and cheyenne would point and say that guy yeah wow but it, of course it wasn't but uh, yeah i i see a lot of difficulty with a lot um especially in the mennonite church the the I don't want to. I'm trying to. I'm trying to tiptoe around. I was this. wondering if you were trying to tiptoe around this. Um, like the, and not necessarily just men. And I, a lot of you know, like this war is bad. If you're doing this, it's bad. But man, I'd urge you to read some of these stories to see that this isn't the choice of these people, and 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 what they sacrificed is. There's no way I'd ever be able to sacrifice that much. I don't think um, for someone. Now, I mean, in those times, it's, it is kind of asking you to do something that is an atrocious act that no one wants to do. But, yeah, that's a tough one. Well, and the, there's tough there's tough on both sides of these. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Mean, even, even on the Mennonite side, I mean, uh, great-great-grandfather 
stirred the sewer with his body because that's what he was told to do because he wouldn't go to combat. Mm. And so th- there, there's a lot of stories like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. In, and then in Second World War, it was a little more human because those guys who didn't go to war had to leave their homes and, and do alternative service. Right. And so they were hoping to do on the home front what the guys who were taken to the front couldn't yeah. do for them. Uh, that granted it was safer, mm-hmm. but, uh, it was, it was a certain level of sacrifice. The thing I think we're missing in all of this is, uh, you know, Christ laid down his life for his sheep mm-hmm. and that's John chapter 10. And I don't think that we're nudged often enough to consider what would we lay down our life for? I mean, what is so tangible about our faith that I'd be willing to put my life on the line for it? Mm-hmm. And if my faith is not so solid that I'd put my life on the line for it, then is it really transforming faith? These guys... Some of them were asked. Some of them were just told. They went right to the line. But when when they went, they went with a determination yeah. to get the job done. We're going to get this job done, and we're going to get home. Yep. And they gave it their all. And I wonder, like Larry does, what would happen if we were put in this same scenario today? Yeah. Could we survive it? Could the church survive it? Could our nation survive it? And it, I get the gut feeling that maybe we don't have the metal that that group had. Yeah. We interviewed one conscientious objector, a Mennonite, Robert Yoder, and he brought out this book that listed all the guys that were conscientious objectors and every religion you could think of, you know, that just said, my faith won't let me do it. And... Uh, We had another story told to us. Uh, guy was infantry in the Philippines, and he was from the Wayland area. Uh, and he said that uh, the Japanese dropped some paratroopers behind the lines, and they attacked this hospital that had our guys in it. And there were Mennonite hospital aid workers yep and when the japanese showed up they grabbed the thompson machine guns (laughs) (laughs) they defended yeah and he kind of chuckled about that but i was okay with it (laughs) well yeah and then the bishop might sit back and say something about it but what would you have done in the moment right well and we we talked to some mennonites that had to leave the church because they went and one one Amish served mm-hmm. and uh, yeah it was and he was no longer Amish right you know, but did you get much of his story is there something that he said why he was called to do that I can't remember okay okay <laughs> probably well, and I I've got a, a a friend of mine served and he would not he wanted to go to the front line as a chaplain but would not carry a gun gun and and in the vietnam war and uh he he had stories too i'll bet yeah because that puts you in a weird situation you don't have a defense 
but you want to be right on the front line. Yeah. And minister to the guys that are there in the foxholes that you are know, needing I have somebody. A lot of respect for people that would do that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because you're defenseless. Yeah. 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 But you're doing a great service there, too. That's right. It's, yep. yeah. I think one, I, I've got a, a pastor friend that is in a dilemma. His brother is in the active military and feels it's a calling. And so he, as an Anabaptist, doesn't know what to do with that. And I said, and we talked it back and forth. Now, wait a minute. If God calls us to a role, then what do we do? Yeah. I, I guess I can't fault him for that. Being called to a role. I can praise the Lord. He hasn't called me to that role. Right. But uh, I think one of the things that church has forgotten is the fact that we need to honor those who are called and who serve out that calling to the full. Yeah. And I think I said it this last, this last Memorial day, you know, Memorial day is to remember those who gave their life mm -hmm. in conflict. Oh yeah. Veterans day is to remember those that are still living. Right. But, uh, giving that uh, ultimate sacrifice for the good of others is a noble calling. Yep. Uh, do I believe that's where the Bible wants us to head first? Probably not, but I'm baffled by what life situation is exactly like it comes out of the Bible. We, we have to live into it by our faith. We have to live into it by faith and the calling that God's put on us. Yeah. I think that's how we've kind of talked about it in the past is that it's, you don't know how the Holy Spirit is working in each person's life. You know, it's, uh, that's between them and God. That, that's, that's what's going to impact them. And it, of course, you know, you're a pastor, so you're, you're here to give advice to shepherd and man, I bet that's hard. Sometimes it gets really tricky. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, is there anything else that you want to touch on? I'm, I mean, I feel like because the microphone's in front of you, you're, you're a little more quiet because I know you can talk about this stuff for hours and it's fascinating. Because, um, yeah, the work you put into this was, well, I mean, it was excellent. a labor of love. Yeah. It, um, it was very humbling. Yeah. You know, and we were really honored that they, you know, we talked to people, called people on the phone, didn't know me from Adam, and mm -hmm. I, could get an interview, or, you know, and I just give them the background about Cheyenne wanting mm -hmm. wanting to do this, and um, I we had she had researched on the internet if we had anybody from Washington County killed on D Day, and there was one guy, the name was uh, what was it Her Herschel Fink I think yeah from Wayland Crawfordsville area, and I said. Let's let me see what I can find out about him. And the, so I got the phone book out, mm -hmm. called the first Fink. Find the Finks in there. Yep. And lady answered, and I said, "Lady, this isn't telemarketing, but it may be the strangest phone call you ever get." And she said, "Well, I don't know. <laughs> I got some strange ones." <laughs> That's an and interesting. I told her who I was and what we were doing. And she said, "Oh my, you need to call this guy." 
So I called him, and he sent me to another person. And I finally, I think I got to the uncle or something. And he told me that there was another fellow from that area that was in the 29th Infantry Division that went in on Omaha Beach that saw Herschel get killed. He said he didn't he didn't make it to shore. He was you know they were machine gunning him in the water. Right. And he said the only the guy after the war came back and told him this. The only thing the grave registration people sent home was Herschel's billfold, and it had the sand of Omaha Beach in it. Oh my. I'm trying to think. And that's that's kind of poignant to me. Yeah. And Cheyenne, oh, what's in the book I gave you? She she was over there and found the grave. Wow. Yeah, at Normandy, and there's a fold there, and she's she's crying. But uh, I don't know. It's tough. Unless we put ourselves in the position to get the stories, hear the stories, and understand these are real lives, brothers, sisters, brothers, uncles, cousins that actually gave up their life. We, we don't really get a good handle at all on what went on, right. especially on those bigger skirmishes. War is, war is an atrocity to be yeah. avoided yeah. at all costs. But yeah. in my observation, the wars historically have been fought over land. And we got that going on today in Europe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same thing. I mean, Hitler, World War One caused World War Two. Basically, yeah. we took so much land from Germany, and Hitler wanted it back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, real estate. Yeah, and that's what's going on in Ukraine and yep. right. other places. Same thing. And I'm thinking, good grief, they have not learned a thing. Yeah, no, just got a little more crazies running countries. Yep, it's not like Russia's not just a giant country. I don't know why they would need more. But well, because they're idiots. Yeah, that's, that's. <laughs> they hadn't developed the Crimea until the early 1700s. Yeah. I mean, it was basically wasteland. Yeah. And then all of a sudden somebody got a hold of it. and Oh, this is good stuff. We oh. can grow a lot of stuff here. Yeah. Then they got. Yeah. Like, oh, that one's like that land's actually, you know, producing something. We didn't know that. Well, now we want it back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You didn't know that. Huh? The Mennonites were called from Germany to the Crimea because uh, Catherine the Great wanted to develop that land and they knew the techniques to get it to produce. Oh, I did not know And so the Mennonites went in and started to make the very productive land and made themselves very rich. Oh. And that the richness of that ground is partly due to people of faith, not just Mennonites, who went from Germany into the Crimea and developed it. Hmm. And... uh, yeah. That's interesting. I did not know that. I did not either. So well, there's a link to the Crimea that's right here in the heartland. Yep. I mean, we used to be a, a, men, or a, a, we used to be a Methodist church here, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of Methodist actions in, in that time, wasn't there? Not during, yeah. necessarily during World War II, but World War I, there was a lot of oh, yeah. divisions broken up. And yeah. In fact, my. Sister lives down on a spot in Mount Pleasant where they used to station people on a spot where the old where there used to be a bridge that crossed the skunk and that's you know where they had teenagers lined up there in case there was an invasion. You're talking civil war now. You're correct. That's, that's right. what I meant that's to say. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. War is an atrocity, but in our human condition, it's gonna happen. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah. It's 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 interesting because you know it's like if everyone just agreed that you know what no well, more war we're not going to hurt each other anymore it, it'd be that simple. But we always think everybody should agree with me. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> of course. I've got right? to figure it out. Right? Yeah. <laughs> We've got it all figured out here. I'll agree with me. Yeah. Yeah. That's the undertone. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a good way to wrap this all up. Um, Don, will you pray us out? I can do that. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Larry being with us this morning and uh, for us to get a just a glimpse of some of the things an earlier generation went through for us to enjoy the freedom in which we now live. Heavenly Father, we pray that there never would be another war. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you would somehow give your people wisdom to look beyond it. And where we've saddened your heart, Lord, please forgive us. We pray that this broadcast today would somehow touch a life that's wondering about you. And may you be heard through it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, thanks, everyone, for joining us. Larry, thanks for gathering all these stories, you and Cheyenne, because, man, it would be, I'd be so sad to find out if we didn't get to hear any of these stories and the amount of them that you picked up that wouldn't have happened otherwise, that we wouldn't have known of. What a gift. It's, uh, I think it's really awesome that you did all that. Amen. Thank you. Yeah. All right, everyone. Well, that's all for this episode. We will see you next week. Lord willing. Bye. Thanks again for joining us for this week's episode. We are both having a ton of fun making these videos and episodes. And if you're having fun too, please tell a friend about this and help us to grow this mission. Thank you and God bless.